Well, it's great to be together again this weekend, and uh, this is exciting for our 111th campus because next weekend, you guys officially launch, and I want you to know that we're going to be praying with you and for you, and can't wait to hear the exciting stories. And so I'm going to ask our entire Hobson campus to be praying for our brothers and sisters at 111th, all right? And let's see God do great things. But this weekend, this weekend, uh, we're going to be talking about the last message in this important series, A Piece of the Pie. Now, what we've been trying to do is talk about the detriment and the danger of materialism in our lives. So, in the first message, we talked about the fact that our lives are like a pie shell. And you know what you do in a pie shell? You put fruit in it or some kind of substance. And the tendency for us is to listen to what the world has to say and try to cram into our lives things, material things, with this idea that somehow external things will satisfy our inner longings. But God reminds us that nothing external can satisfy our lives. Only he can satisfy our lives. And the enemy knows that. The enemy uses our world and our world system to try to discourage us and pull us down. He's got a lie out there that we talked about last weekend. And that lie is that we should all strive to be owners. And so we think that the whole goal in life is to own uh, our own piece of the pie or actually our own pie. And if I just have the pie, I'll be content and satisfied. But God reminds us that when we try to live like owners, it only breeds greed and at least a jealousy and oftentimes quarreling, especially in our relationships. And God says that we shouldn't strive for ownership. What we should strive for is stewardship. Realizing that I actually own nothing. God owns everything. And what God wants me to do and what God wants you to do is to be a good manager of everything that he gives to us. To handle it not our way for our benefit, but to handle it his way for his glory. And the result is blessings then come our way. And it's really exciting when that happens. So in order to practice stewardship, we also need to then practice what's called lordship, which simply means saying, God, you're the CEO of my life. I'm not going to be in charge anymore. I'm handing my life and everything in my life to you because it already belongs to you. Psalm 50, last weekend we looked at it, some wonderful verses, beginning at verse 10. It says, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Why? For all the world is mine and everything in it, including everyone in it. All of us belong to God. And that's a good thing. And you know, when I live with that attitude, that everyone and everything belongs to God. When I, when I live as a steward rather than an owner, when I understand that my job is to manage what he's given me, believe it or not, life is so much more simple and, un, and it becomes uncomplicated. And I don't know about you, but I prefer to live a more simple life. How about you? And how many of you would prefer to have your life less, you know, would like it more uncomplicated. Would, would that be a good thing? It would be a good thing for me as well. And that can happen when we get out of the ownership mindset and get in the stewardship mindset. But the question becomes, how do you do that? 
And God's word, in, in many ways, is like a manual for how to manage our lives the way that will please God. And God says an awful lot about how we manage money and how we manage stuff. And I, I, it would take hours and hours to go through the verses sprinkled from the Old Testament to the, and to the New Testament that talk about how to manage stuff the right way. But one of the books in the Bible that talks a lot about this is the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs for a while this weekend. And so what I want you to do is take your Bibles out. I'm just going to get you prepped for it. If you're not used to using your Bible, if you just grab it and open it up right about in the middle, okay, you may have opened right up to the book of Proverbs. If you open up to the book of Psalms, just go to your right, and you'll end up in Proverbs. If you open up to the book of Isaiah, go to the left, and you'll end up in Proverbs, all right? So the first principle that we discover in Proverbs about managing God's stuff the right way And you can jot this down. It's very simple. Keep good records. Just learn to keep good records. Remember, you're keeping good records of God's stuff. Not your stuff, but his stuff. So that's really important. For instance, in uh, Proverbs chapter 27, uh, verse 23, here's what it says. Riches can disappear fast. So watch your business interests closely. Know the state of... Of your flocks. Another passage of uh, scripture in Proverbs 23. It says, get the facts at any price. Get the facts at any price. See, back then they didn't deal with, you know, dollars and cents like we do. For the most part, wealth was measured in terms of the animals you owned. How many sheep you had, how many goats you had. And so the writer of the Proverbs is inspired by God to say, you need to know how many Let's say sheep that you have. And you need to know how many you're going to sell and what their value is. But then you also need to be thinking about how many you need to retain for next year's flock and what you're going to sell. Keep careful records. We need to do the same thing. Especially realizing that what we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. I want to keep really careful records about what God has given to me. And I just want to share with you some ways to do that. It's like very simple record keeping, okay? And I know some of you have MBAs. You get really complicated about that. It scares me, all right? This is just a simple way to do it. All of us, for instance, need to know what we have. You know, what do I have? You should know what you have. Another thing that we need to be aware of is also what we owe, Okay, what do I owe? A third thing to be aware of is what do I earn? Every one of us needs to know what we earn. And another thing that would be helpful then is to know where it goes. You need to know those things. And if you've ever found yourself saying, I don't know where the money goes. You know what that means? You're not keeping good records. You ought to know where the money goes. It's one of the things I love about my wife, Marsha, who is our CFO, all right? She, you know, I married her at 19. I'm glad I'd be in financial ruin if I hadn't, all right? She keeps track of the checkbook, and that woman will not sleep until she balances it to the very penny. And she's taught me so much. She is meticulous about record keeping because it's God's stuff, and we want to be careful with it. All right, here's another principle. Coming again right out of the Bible. Plan your spending. Plan your spending. Very important. 
what does Proverbs say about that? Proverbs 21 5 says, Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Another Proverbs puts it this way. I like this translation. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. How many of you know some people like that? Maybe it's you sometimes. Or maybe it's been you. I mean, these are important warnings for us. Not only is it important for me to keep good records, but I need to know and plan how I spend it. And the problem is, so many of us, especially the younger generation, because it's part of this culture that we live in, it's part of the materialistic lie, it's part of marketing and advertising, it's all impulsive. Just, I see it, and, and I can just spend it and get it, and put it on the credit card, and you know, that's a big reason why we're in the financial mess that we're in now, isn't it? Because money was easy to get and you could just go out on credit and banks are giving out money right and left without thinking about whether people could actually afford it and pay it back. And well, this is the consequences of it. If they'd only listen to who? They'd only listen to God if we would only listen to God and his word. Here's the third principle. Again, coming right out of God's word. Save for the future. Save for the future. Keep good records. Have a spending plan. Save for the future. Proverbs 21, 17 says, The wise man or woman saves for the future. It's a wise person who does that. Another passage of scripture puts it this way. It reminds us that he grows rich who accumulates what? Little by little. You know, and it's just that ongoing attempt to save a little bit each month that compounds. And, and in the end, you know, you're surprised by, by the blessing that comes your way because you've observed a biblical principle. Some research was done a while back. was discovered that the average Japanese man saves about 28% of his income. The average European saves about 18% of his income. The average American saves less than 5% of their income. Why materialism? Why impulsivity? Why bad record keeping? Why no plan for spending and no plan for saving? Now some of you about now are probably feeling a little bit guilty. Like, oh my goodness, that's me, that's me, that's me. I don't do that. And my my purpose this weekend is not to make you feel ashamed, but to remind you that there's a better way. And we have a seminar that uh, is coming up uh, very soon. If you look at the Axis or our website, you can read about it. I'll remind you of it a little bit later on, but it's called the Good Sense Seminar. And I encourage you to attend that seminar where you will learn how to do these basic things. How to get out of debt, how to stay out of debt, how to create a budget, how to manage the budget. We've got some wise people there that want to coach you and help you. They're not there looking for your business. They're just very good stewards. They've proven themselves. And I encourage you, if you struggle in the area of finances, go. Go to that seminar. There's nothing embarrassing. There's nothing shameful about it. The only thing embarrassing and shameful is if you don't go and if you continue to struggle and get yourself into more and more trouble. Here's another principle coming out of God's word. Enjoy what you already have. 
Enjoy what you already have. Let's go to the scriptures again and see what they say. Proverbs chapter 21, and uh, it should be verse 17. Indulging in luxuries, wine and rich food will never make you wealthy. Uh, In other words, always wanting more, always spending more. I got to have this, I got to have that. Never satisfied with what I have. Chasing that illusion is never going to make you wealthy. It'll make you poor. If you go to the the New Testament to the book of Hebrews, in uh, Hebrews 13, 5, it puts it this way. Be content with what you have. In fact, let's all say it together here at Hobson 111th. Together, ready? Be content with what you have. You sounded so sad as you said that. Let's try it again. Ready? Be content with what you have. Yes! Be content with what God has given us. Again, the culture uh, and its materialistic world fights that. The message of materialism is what? You cannot be content with what you have. You must have more. But our contentment is not based on what we have. It's based on our relationship with God through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That is what it's all about. That's where contentment is. Stop believing the lies of this world. So, I mean, most of us have more than enough to be content with. I remember when I was a kid and, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money coming from the mission field. I'd always get the lecture. My little brother would get the lecture before we, were, we would go to a store. Don't ask for anything. And I, I'm firstborn. Zip the lip, didn't ask. My little brother, he'd be tagging along. Can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? All right. You know, it took him a little bit longer to learn. And what my parents taught us was to value what we already had. And, and I can remember I had this huge box just full of toys that kind of just got thrown in the box. And in those times when my parents reminded me that we weren't going to buy the newest, latest gadget, I needed to just enjoy what we already had, you know what I'd do? I'd go to my room and I'd start plowing through that box and I would get excited. Do you know why? Because I forgot how much I already had. And it was like discovering new things again. Some of us need to go to the attic, some of us need to go in the garage, some of us need to go to the closet and rediscover what we already have and enjoy that and use that. Amen? I can't wait to talk to our young adults about that. All right? That would be exciting. All right? But I want to move on to really the bottom line most important principle. Give back generously to the work of God. Give back generously to the work of God. Why did God leave us here in the first place? To carry on the mission of his son, who's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he left us here. And why does God give us all that he does give us? To manage it well for his glory. And how is God glorified? He's glorified when we trust him. He's glorified when we are reaching the people that his son died for. That's what it's, I mean, that's what it's all about. Giving to God and giving to his work. I love the story about two guys that were uh, shipwrecked on an island. And one of the guys was panicking. He was running around the island and he kept saying, We're going to die! We're going to die! There's no water to drink and there's no food to eat! We're going to die! The other guy found this big, beautiful palm tree with a nice shade. And he just sat up against it and was enjoying the view. And it really upset the guy who was panicking. 
Say, how can you just sit there relaxed like that? We're going to die. There's no water to drink. There's no food to eat. We're going to die. What's wrong with you? And the guy goes, you don't understand. He goes, I earn $100,000 a week. And the guy looks at him and he goes, so what? There's no food for you to buy. And there's no water for you to buy for us to drink. He goes, wait a minute. You don't understand. I also go to church and I tithe 10% on my $100,000 a week. I give my church $10,000 a week. <laughs> Pastor, he'll find me. <laughs> a lot of people think that this whole idea of tithing, of giving financially, is something that, that pastors have concocted, that TV evangelists have come up with. But it's not. The whole concept of tithing, of giving, is God-ordained, and it's throughout his word. In the Old Testament, he called his people to give 10% off the top of their gross income for two reasons. One, as a sign of trust. Realizing that everything they had had been given to them by God, he wanted them to give just a tenth back to him to remind them that God was the provider. In lean times and in bountiful times, trust God. And when they kept that from God, it was like they were robbing him. You know, in one of the books of the Bible, actually the last book of the Old Testament, we read these words. It's found in Malachi chapter 3. Some people call him Malachi and claim he was an Italian prophet, but I don't think he was. But uh, over in Malachi, listen to what God says in chapter 3 and about verse, uh, verse 8. It says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God says, you know, trust me, test me in this, and see what I'll do, and you will be impressed, and you will be surprised. He say, but does it mention tithing in the New Testament? No, it doesn't. He say, well, then that was just something they were supposed to do in the Old Testament. We've been freed from it in the New Testament. Yay! What's that tell you about an attitude, huh? That's scary. Just because it's not mentioned in the New Testament doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There are a lot of things the Old Testament talks about the New Testament doesn't. And that doesn't mean that they don't apply to us anymore. Actually, if you go to the New Testament, it goes way beyond tithing. You go to the New Testament, it's all about sacrificial giving. And for a lot of people, giving a tenth is not sacrificial. In fact, it's modeled on Jesus himself who sacrifices life for each one of us. I love what it says over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, way toward the end of your Bible, all right? In chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, Paul says, beginning in verse 9, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, it doesn't say money is, but the love of money is. That's materialism. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. 
In other words, people who are chasing after materialism, it, it will force you away from God because Jesus says you cannot love God and money. You love one or the other. Move over to verse 17. It says, teach those who are rich. And by the way, by world standards, we're all rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. We've learned that, haven't we? Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. In other words, I give to glorify God and say, God, I trust you. But I also give in order for God to carry out his mission to see men and women one and boys and girls one to himself. I give to remind myself that I'm investing for the future. And building up a treasure where moth can't eat it and rust can't destroy it. And that's what this whole series has been about. It's, a, it's been about, you know, how am I going to handle things? How am I going to handle finances? I mean, there's like my way or there's God's way. And we've been using pie as our metaphor. And I thought to myself, you know what? We started with pie. We should end with pie. And so tonight we're going to end with pie. And I'm going to invite uh, my pie handlers this weekend to come out and join me. Would you welcome the pie handlers? Yes. Woohoo. All right. It's Guy Smiley. All right. Is that for me? Oh, man. You brought this for me? You are. Thank you so much. Pumpkin pie? Yeah. All right. Hey, you guys want some pie? Come on and have a seat over here, all right? Wait, you stay there, okay? You guys have a seat, all right? Here. Um, you're in the way. So just, just okay, there's, like, there's only three places. You okay? All right, all right, cool. All right. All right, here we go. Woo-hoo. Pumpkin pie, some people love it. Do you? Kind of? I hope so. I mean, he brought it, right? Okay, cool. All right, now, we've been in this series talking about the danger of materialism, right? And, you know, wanting stuff, right? Do you guys want stuff sometimes? Things? Yeah, right? Toys, right? New clothes, maybe, you know, makeup. Maybe you're too young for makeup. I don't know. But, you know, it's all kinds of things that we'd like to have, right? Okay? And, and you know, it costs money. All right? Did you know that? Did you know that money does not grow on trees? Did you know that? Okay, I just want to make sure. All right? So what happens is we become big people, right? And, and, and you know, we have to live, and it, and it costs money to live. Like, you've got to have a house or an apartment or a condo. Got to have a car, right? You, know, you got to have something to drive, right? And uh, there are these things that you have to pay called taxes. They're awful things, right? But we have to pay them. We're told we're supposed to pay them. And so, you know, if we look at this pie and we think about how we're going to spend our pie, you know, I got to tell you what, a big part of our pie goes toward the things that we have to pay for in life, like our houses, whoops, and like our, I'm terrible at cutting pies, and like our cars, and like those taxes, and a huge part of our lives, all right? So I'm going to imagine that you represent all the things that we have to pay for, okay? 
Woohoo! Big piece pie here. All right? And I'm really messy at, at pie cutting, so this is kind of fun. But you know, when it comes to paying our bills, it's kind of a messy deal. Okay? Isn't that beautiful? Huh? Look at that. Woohoo! All right? Are you excited? You like pie? Huh? Well, you're going to eat all this tonight. There you go. Look at that. All right? Can't say I'm real excited about the fact that you get such a big piece, but that's, that's what I have to do. All right? But then, you know, there are also things that, things that I want. Okay? I don't have to have them, but I want them. Like, it'd be nice to have some brand new clothes. It'd be fun to have the newest computer. It'd be fun to have a giant flat screen television in every room of the house. It'd be fun to have the newest, coolest sports car. Whoa, there's so many things I'd like to have in life that I really want in life. I mean, I, like, I want a lot of things in life. All right? So you're going to be representing all the things that I want. Okay? Whoops. You can tell I'm not really good at this. And all the type A people behind me, they're like all worried that I'm not able to cut a pumpkin pie. All right? And they're never going to come to my house for Thanksgiving. And I don't care. All right? There you go. Okay? And look. And this pie, the crust is on the top too. Okay? There you go. Isn't that cool? That's all yours. You ready to dig in? Yeah, okay. So there's a lot of things I have to have. There's a lot of things I want. But you know something? Nothing is for free. Did you know that? It costs something, especially the things I want. But I am so thankful for something called credit cards. Let's say it together. Credit cards. It allows me to buy the things I want without having to pay money right away. I can pay it later, plus something that's called interest on top of it. And you can just have anything you want. In fact, go home and tell your parents that they can use their credit cards to get you whatever you want. Pastor Dale said that's okay. All right? And so what happens is that every month there comes a credit card bill, a reminder that we have to pay for all those things. And the credit card companies are so nice, they tell me I don't have to pay it all at once. I can just stretch out my payments. All right? And, and you know what? Debt. Debt is messy. Really messy. All right? We can get ourselves in a big trouble. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's see what's left for me. Because, you know, i got to save some money too, right? In case there's a rainy day. And not only should I save some money, but, you know, actually there might be some other things that I want as well. And I just want to have money ready just in case. Hi. I kind of forgot about you. I'm sorry. Um, I tell you what. Can you get that chair? Why don't you join us? All right? There you go. Careful. Right? Right here. Because, I mean, you brought the pie, right? Yeah, okay. All right. So, tell you what. I'm going to split my savings with you. All right? But if something I really want comes up, I may need this back. Okay? Isn't that cool? Does that make you happy? Really? No? I didn't think so. Unless you don't like pumpkin pie. But 
That's kind of sad, isn't it? Here, have some crust. Okay? I mean, but you know what? The reason I just did that is because that's how a lot of adults live their lives. They think about God last. And they think about the stuff they have to have, the stuff they want to have, and then they think about all the debt they have to pay for it. They don't manage God's stuff God's way. And then they get themselves in trouble. So what they need to do is they need to figure out how to do it the right way. And the right way is to keep good records. The right way is to plan our spending. The right way is to be happy with what we already have, right? The right way is to save there's, there's just so many things that if we did it the right way, and that might take a while. We may, you know, it may take us a while before we can really start to honor God, before we can really give him the first piece, because he should always have the first piece. So maybe one of the things I need to do is I need to pay off some of my debt. Whoa, all of a sudden we've got a little bit more pie for God, don't we? And maybe I don't need that huge flat screen television Maybe I can live with the small flat screen television that I bought on sale at Walmart. And maybe I don't need to live in such a big house. Or maybe I don't have to drive that kind of car. You know what? All of a sudden, there's a whole lot more pie for God. And what I ought to do is realize the whole pie belongs to him And you know what? If I start out realizing the whole pie belongs to God in the first place, it's not going to get cut up so messy and sloppy. If I give God his first piece, and he only wants, like, really, compared to the whole pie, he only really wants one small sliver back, then I'll have the whole rest of the pie to enjoy. But not enjoy for me, enjoy for God. And to spend it the way God wants it spent. Right? Now, if I give God the first piece and I manage everything else the right way, then do you think there'll be something else left over? Do you think that there might be more? Yeah? Really? Let me see. Okay. Let me see if there's really going to be more. Okay. I don't know where he's going. I hope he comes back. But when we give God the first piece, he always wants to bless us. Did you know that? And he wants to bless us in some pretty, whoa, special ways. Yes. Wow. Look at that dessert rack. Is that for me? Very cool. Thank you very much. High five to you. High five to you guys. All right. And guess what? You can keep all that pie. Let's give him a hand. Thank him. Help us out. You guys can go. And take your pie if you want. All right. And enjoy it. Woohoo. All right. Now, this, by the way, the Bible tells us we have to become like what? Little children, right? you see their eyes? They were, I mean, they were really into this. I don't know what the rest of you are doing, all right? But they were really into this. But listen carefully. When we put God first, he does bless our lives. Not necessarily with more money. 
He may bless us in terms of our family, in terms of relationships, in terms of our health, in terms of our ministry, in terms of our witness. There's so many different ways, like there's so many different desserts, that God can bless our lives. But he says he wants us to honor him first. And you and I have no idea of the blessings we are missing out on when we put ourselves first and things first. I don't know about you, but I want God to bless my life so I can glorify him, don't you? I want God to be able to take and give me more responsibility because he's seen that he can trust me with what he's already given me. And God will give you more to be responsible with and to use if you just trust him. And so this weekend, both here and our 111th campus, we want to walk you through an exercise to help you grow in your trust of God and in managing your stuff, particularly your finances, the way that God wants you to. So I'm going to ask Pastor Rich to lead 111th through this exercise, and I'm going to lead us through it here at the Hobson campus. All right. When you came in, you should have received a card that looks like this or a uh, sheet of thick paper. Did you all get that out? If you are missing that, would you raise your hand and our great ushers will help us out. We have some hands raised, so if you just keep them up, I want everybody to have an opportunity to go through this exercise, all right? Just please keep your hands up and we'll get these into your, into your hands. And uh, it's an opportunity for you to grow a step in your giving, Some of you may not be able to grow right into a tithe right away. So I just want you to take a step. Some of you may be able to grow into a tithe right away. You're welcome to do that. Some of you may be able to take two or three steps. But here's an opportunity for you. And I wanted to give you a picture of the Compass Church in terms of our tithing and what we give. And so what we've done is we've broken this down. You can see 0 to 10, 11 to 20, on the way up. And this is, this is what's given weekly. And I want to show you the percentage of folks who give in these varied amounts. All right? So we just get a picture of what's going on at the Compass Church. For instance, 38% of the folks who give, give less than $10 a week. 10% give less than 20. 18% less than 50. You can follow the math all the way to the top. The question I want to ask you as you look at that right now is, where are you in terms of a step? And does that honestly reflect your God-given capacity to be a good steward of the things that he's given you? In other words, are you treating the things in your life like they're yours to do with as you wish? Or do you see them as what God has given you? And are, are you honoring God by tithing that? By sacrificially giving that. If not, why not this weekend grow one step up? Say, Pastor, it's all about budget, isn't it? No. Honestly, it's not. It's all about obedience. And this happens to be the place we would like you to invest at least your tithe so that we can move forward in seeing people come to faith in Christ. Move forward in making an impact because I and you, we can't be responsible for the other churches, but we can be responsible for our church, this church, and what God has called us to do here, near, and far. Would you tonight consider moving up a step? Would you consider, you know, if you're at 10, going to 20? If you're at 5, 
going to 10. I mean, could you move up a step? Maybe you got to give up a latte. Maybe you got to cut down on debt. Maybe you got to take care of some other issues to be able to do that. That's fine. But start the process. If you're struggling financially, I encourage you, go to the Good Sense Seminar. It's October 23rd, all right, from 9 till 2.30 p.m. You can go to our website. You can see John Covington out at the Guest Center. We want to help you get things in order so that you truly can honor God. If you're willing to do that, and actually, like, whether you're willing to or not, I, I want us all to fill this out so nobody feels awkward, then just check the, mark, the box that says yes, all right? And then what you plan, what, you know, the step you plan to move up to, by God's grace, all right? Then just the information, name, street, city, email, signature. Say, why are you asking for information? Between you and me and God, I want to be praying for you. I want to be praying for you every week. And every once in a while, I just want to send you a letter of encouragement to stay faithful. And I want to hear your stories of how God is blessing you. I got some stories to share with you in the coming weeks that people share with me. But if you're willing to do that, fill it out. And when you're done, I'll tell you what to do. But I'll give you a minute to fill it out and uh, ask God to bless it in just a moment. All right? So go ahead. Take your time. Fill us out, please. step of faith. Would you trust God? Marsha and I will be filling ours out moving up a step as well. So if you're a tither like we are, I encourage you to go beyond the tithe and practice generous giving. Alright, I hope you had a chance to fill it out. Here's what I want you to do next, alright? Take it where that dotted line is and just crease it. Fold it over and crease it. We're going to do a holy terror. All right? And again, whether or not you filled it out or not, that's okay. I want everybody to tear and hand it in. That way nobody feels embarrassed. All right? So just crease it. Everybody crease it. Okay? And uh, just for a moment, let me pray. Father, I pray and ask that you will take these commitments that we're making to you tonight, this exciting adventure in giving, this step of faith, and Father, I pray that you give us capacity to do it, to bless you and to honor you. And Father, to see you take those few dollars and glorify yourself. Because Father, it's not, it's not how big the gift is. It's how big our heart is. And you love the, 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 the widow who gives out of her poverty as much as you do. The millionaire who gives out of his riches. So, Father, I pray that you bless these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. Count of three. Ready? One, two, three, tear. Thank you very much. Pass them into the middle. I'm going to ask the ushers to come pick them up, all right? Pass them into the middle, and our ushers will pick them up. How many of you would like to come over to my house for some pumpkin pie? I'll cut. That was scary, wasn't it? All right. I'm sure I'll be receiving lessons after service on how to cut pies, all right? But the kids, they're back there getting a stomachache right now, having a great time, all right? Listen, after our service tonight, I'm going to ask our elders to come up here. And if there's some of you who would like uh, to be prayed over, you're welcome to come up. If some of you would like to be anointed with oil for healing, 
We want to offer that opportunity to you. James 5 says, if you are sick, call for the elders of church to anoint them with olive oil. It's just a symbol. And ask God to heal their bodies. We want to make that opportunity available to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to ask the elders who are here if they would just come up right now so that you can identify them ahead of time. Stand to my left and to my right, guys, if you will, please. And uh, I'm going to ask you, after we dismiss the service, you'd like them to anoint you for prayer. Come on up. If they're already praying with somebody, just take a seat in the front and wait and come up and let them pray over you. Father, thank you so much for this evening. It's been a lot packed into a short amount of time. But it's been so challenging. And we've been reminded, oh God, that you call us to be faithful to you. Lord, I would like to ask you to begin the blessings now, especially upon those who are going to come up to be prayed over tonight. Lord, these elders don't have any power to heal, but you do. They're just instruments here tonight. And I pray and ask that you'd use them. And their prayers are, God, to bring healing into people's hearts and lives and to their bodies. And Lord, I pray as we go from this place, prepare our hearts for this great series coming up. Strengthen and improve and heal our relationships, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a nice evening.